We open our Bibles together to the letter to the Colossians, and we'll be looking at chapter 4, verse 6. This is actually a verse that I've been thinking about preaching for some time, and uh, never quite felt ready to go there. A couple times I almost did. And uh, seeking the Lord to guide me in selecting the scripture, felt it was time to preach it today as I was inspired and moved to uh, be thinking about something else related to what we Uh, something that was said in the movie we watched Friday night together, something that I found profound and I thought would be a good thing for us to think about. And Colossians 4, verse 6 will be our scripture to think about it together as it speaks on the topic about how we speak. Colossians 4, verse 6. Hear now the word of the Lord. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Since it's just one verse, let's repeat it. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. See some of you kind of reciting that. It's one of our memory verses in, in our shorter catechism work together and Glad to see that. May the Lord refresh us as we've reviewed together this morning. And again, I uh, was inspired to to think about looking at this together with you uh, at our church movie night, Friday night, Show Me the Father, uh, a wonderful selection. Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Maxwell. There's something, as you recall, there were a number of men that were interviewed about uh, a lack of a father and how that impacted their lives and some remarkable stories. Um, Another story of a man uh, and wife choosing to adopt a a daughter from China. Lots of amazing stories. Uh, But there was one man, something he said really resonated with me, really struck me. When he was being interviewed, he spoke about regret, about what were his last words to his father. He said, those are the last words I ever said to my father. Now, you remember the story. It was a horrible life. And he was back living with his father briefly. And the rest of the children were saying, it's time to come back with us. And he was acquiescing. And he told his father he'd no longer be living with him again. His father asked him why. And he said to him, you were not a good husband to my mother, now dead. And you were not a good father to me. And the father, remarkably, was moved with tears, went over and hugged him and said, You are right. I was not a good husband. I was not a good father. I love you. The man shared that not long after that moment, his father was found dead in an abandoned warehouse. He had gotten drunk there and froze to death. Just four days later, this man grieved over these words being his last to his father. Not that those words weren't necessarily respectful in terms of speaking the truth and love and, 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 uh, and the manner was not necessarily wrong. I don't think he should be thinking he led to his father's death, but... Probably he wished he had also said after those words, I love you too, and I forgive you. 
You know, we always think we're going to have another time for more words. It has me thinking a lot about what we all can be careful about. Never too careful. All our words are always to be edifying, no matter the situation. Now, I'm sure you'll feel convicted and challenged as I do. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of self-control, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we need to ask for him to help us more and more. But this is the main idea I give to you of the verse. All our words are always to be edifying. Specifically, this has me thinking about what he said. What might always potentially be in anyone's ears and heart as last they ever hear from you or me at the end of their life? Or at the end of your life? Wish you could get those words back or add to them. Let your every word be as if they are your last words. And that's the message for you from this text as we think about the impetus for this sermon. Let your every word be as if they are your last words because, beloved, they very well could be. All your words are are always to be gracious. That's the first thing we consider. All your words are always to be gracious. We must bite our tongues to not speak bitterness. Right? We know a lot of the Proverbs we've, we've talked about, you know, bite your lip, bite your tongue, zipper your teeth, right? We've got to really be careful about what we don't say. But it's more than that. We also need to serve honey with them. An image, uh, you know, the honey is uh, sweet, nourishing, and also, therefore, reviving, but also has medicinal properties. Our words must be always with grace, Paul says. What we say must be always with grace. Grace. We must always speak graciously. All your words are always to be gracious. The idea of grace means favor, could be grateful. But we know that we talk about grace in terms of how God speaks to us and lives with us. Grace is unmerited favor. It's giving us what we don't deserve. We'd always be speaking to one another in a way they don't deserve. Again, God help us through Christ and his grace. Remember, though, when we studied a little while ago, uh, think of one another in high esteem, hold one another in high esteem. We looked at one of the verses that told us that we need to be forbearing with one another, and the Greek word really has the idea of holding up, esteeming one another. You know, not because of who they are or how they're acting, but as images of God, redeemed in Christ, we hold them in high esteem. That's how we really can forbear with one another. So similarly, we're to be speaking graceless no matter the moment. Now again, this takes practice. This takes building habits. This takes grace in us and the work of the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 10 verse 11 says, The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. Proverbs 10.21 says, The lips of the righteous feed many. Proverbs 25 verse 11, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. 
though Paul's letters are often confrontational, full of strong and direct correction, he always opens and closes with them, closes them with grace and peace to you in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Affirming them as brethren, affirming them as saints. And this is how we should open and close our speeches. This is how we should open and close our sentences. Beloved, this is how we should open and close our emails and our texts. And whatever we might say online, in public especially. Even when rebukes are necessary. Remember, Jesus in Revelation 3 said, I rebuke whom I love, therefore repent. Be restored. I rebuke you because I love you. I want to see you restored. But he had very strong words for those churches. But he did not just give correction. Wherever he could, he also gave commendation. Thus, Ephesians 4.26, if you'll turn back there with me, we'll come back to Colossians. Ephesians 4.26, very important. I think this is especially important for us in our families and in our marriages, where our hair is down, where we're most exalted, uh, most exhausted, that is, and where we uh, yeah, maybe most exalt ourselves at the end of the day or overnight, and uh, we're most in danger of doing this the least. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. There's reasons to be angry justly, but be careful how you close your communications at the end of the day. It's not that you are not to ever speak without just anger or strong admonition, but may it always be book-ended and especially end with I love you and I forgive you and I want to see this restored and in the meantime, I love you. Before every sunset and at every sunrise. And often all of us need to close with I'm sorry at the end of the day. And I love you too. We'll deal with it tomorrow. But I'm sorry and I love you. Great ways to be ending the day with our last words together. And you don't base it on what they might say in return. Think of sometimes friends and loved ones who know how to push our buttons after a visit, maybe traveling back or a phone call that, didn't, that went south. Just send the extra test, call, text, leave the extra message, though they won't answer the phone, and leave the last words, not to get the last word, beloved, but to leave the last words of grace. You never know if it will be your last night with no more opportunity to follow up with more gracious words in the morning. Or whether you just had your last meal together. Our words are always to be gracious, and all your words are always to be healing and helpful. All your words are always to be gracious, and all your words are always to be healing and helpful. Our words are not to be rotten nor contribute to rot. 
I think graphically it's helpful to say before you we ought not to have maggots between our teeth. Our words must heal. They must preserve. They must be clean of plaque. They must be clean of disease. Our words must be seasoned with salt, Paul says. Back in Colossians, our text today, chapter 4, verse 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Now, Proverbs 27, 6 says that faithful are the wounds of a friend. Often a friend has to say things that hurt, but they're meant to heal. And it needs to be that if a wound must be made, we also must seek to bring a balm and a bandage and cleanse and heal. For the sake of edifying, it's all for the sake of edifying. Matthew 5, verse 13, Jesus says, Ye are the salt of the earth. Don't lose your saltiness. Because what is salt supposed to do, including in our speech? Salt penetrates and preserves. It was the means of ancient refrigeration so that meat didn't rot. A.W. Pink points out that salt seasons, preserves from putrefying, and water is filtered of impurities by salt, by flowing through rocks or soil that contain salt, contain salt, excuse me, almost like our, our soft water tanks today. Salt is an antiseptic. It's rubbed in wounds to heal. We gargle with salt water if we might have our children lose a tooth. We use saline solutions in our syringes and in our IVs. William Hendrickson points out that salt prevents and retards decay. It combats deterioration. Now with that, I want to warn again what I do every time I talk about speech for myself and others. Sarcasm does the opposite of that. And we're all trained on it. We all brought up on it. But it's not biblical. The root words in the Greek is to cut the flesh, but not to heal, but to destroy. But salt is not to destroy, it is to heal, it is to help, it is to build up. Salt also what? It adds flavor to make more willing to consume, more willing to digest. Salt, speech like salt, helps people hear what you have to say. And it helps them meditate on it. Remember, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says this. There is that speaketh like the piercing of a sword. You might say sarcasm. But the tongue of the wise is health. Or as some translate it, the tongue of the wise is healing. Speak words that heal, beloved. Speak words that heal hearts that heal reputations, that heal relationships. Let your speech be always with grace, always seasoned with salt, that you might always make things better by bringing Jesus to every situation and every conversation. All your words are always to bring Jesus to everyone all the time. All your words are always to be gracious. All your words are always to be healing and helpful. And all your words are always to bring Jesus to everyone 
all the time. And Paul's really emphasizing most of the time our sinful inclination is to do otherwise as we might respond to something that's less than helpful. Every confrontation, beloved, is an opportunity for you to make an introduction to Jesus Christ, how you respond in and for and by him. It's like opening the door and asking Jesus to come through and give greetings as you speak as his ambassador for the kingdom of heaven. This is always to be done. This is the convicting part as we think about some other things connected with what Paul says here in the end. This is always to be done. You and I excuse ourselves from speaking carefully and courteously all the time. You and I excuse ourselves from speaking graciously with seasoned salt all the time. Paul says all the time this is to be the way you speak. This is to be the way you type. This is the way to be the way you write. That you would bring Jesus to them. It's how our word is to be always, what? To every man. Every man. Not just the men and women you find easy to speak to, boys and girls. Everyone, all the time. You are to be an ambassador for Christ, speaking differently than this world. Now, the Greek word here for word is logos. It's often we get the idea of logic from it. You remember where we often review that idea? John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, literally the logos. Jesus is the Logos. He is the Word. Our words, therefore, are to be filled with Him. Always to everyone. Filled with Him and His words. So look back to chapter 3, verse 16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. How are you going to have grace in your heart to be able to speak it to others? By having the word of Christ dwelling in you. By the way, as you know, as you look at that along with Ephesians, it's saying, sing the Psalter. Sing the Psalms God has written. There's all references. Spiritual songs written by the Holy Spirit. It's the word of God and all the word of God and the Psalms, as Jesus says in Luke 24, all speak of him. We need the word to be speaking of Christ in our hearts. We need to be giving ourselves to the word of God regularly. It doesn't come from us, this grace. This salt doesn't come from us. It comes from God. It comes to us through Christ. We need the word of Christ dwelling in us richly. That we'd have something to say like that to others. Don't be surprised if you struggle how to speak with others, but you're spending very little time with the word of God. But be encouraged. Give yourself to the word of God and watch how he speaks it through you. Look at verse 5 of chapter 4. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. We've got to redeem our time and give our witness to those who are outside of us. We're talking about particularly a witness. How are we going to witness to the world by how we speak graciously and seasoned with salt in all the different moments in the marketplace, 
all the different times when we're driving on the highway. And one way or the other, we might communicate a little differently than graciously or with salt. All these ways are to be giving a witness to God in Christ. Our walk with Jesus is to be a witness. And that is significantly seen in our talk for Jesus, speaking his grace through us as his word dwells in us graciously. How we redeem the time is with our proper walk. Yes, we must walk the talk, but may no, make no mistake, we must also talk the walk. So look ahead to chapter 5. And here I mean to say Ephesians. Back to Ephesians chapter 5. Notice in our text here it says redeeming the time. How we speak is how we choose to redeem the time in terms of our witness and our walk before the Lord. Paul says something similarly in a little more detail. Ephesians 5 verses 15 to 17. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. We have to recognize that we're walking through Vanity Fair, as we studied this morning with Dr. Thomas's videos, Pilgrim's Progress. We're walking through Vanity Fair. It has its effect. It can influence us. It can... Uh, stick to us and we've got to constantly be cleansing ourselves with the word and have it ready to be speak to others and you know man i challenge you in the in the business in the marketplace we can be very very tempted to speak like the world in the marketplace we have to speak like christians in the marketplace children in school depending on your situation even if it is a christian situation oh there's plenty of differing manifestations of that you have to be ready to speak like christ and not like the world not like others who may claim christ but are speaking like the world gracious with salt all the time to everyone now notice this is particularly interesting it says in terms of how we answer others So often, that's the greatest challenge, right? Which is why, how often do we speak together about, and especially privately as we lick our wounds and pray for accountability to do better next time as we exacerbated what we might have brought peace to? Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath. A grievous word, stir up anger. Especially when we feel attacked. Especially when something comes at us and we don't see it coming. We don't anticipate. It's so challenging to respond, to answer correctly, like Christians, with grace and salt. But that's what Paul is calling you and I to. To not excuse ourselves about how we've been treated. To not excuse ourselves based on how we've been spoken to. But to remember that we are still responsible for our responses to everyone all the time, including how we speak. So we remember 1 Peter 3, 15 to 16, that speak about giving a testimony all the time. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer 
to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Thus, beloved, may we always be praying. Psalm 19, verse 14, as you sang this morning. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. May we regularly be praying and singing that to prepare us to answer rightly. And when our answer should have been better, and especially when it's just about to start and we would pray instead catch ourselves and stop and adjust, turn on more grace, season it with more salt. When our answer should have been better, Go back and pray that again. I left Walmart this week wishing I had answered a lady better. In self-checkout line, I was waiting on a sale that would not complete. I don't know why this happens to me, especially in self-checkout in certain places. Just just spinning circle, you know, like the donut of despair on some computers. I mean, the card's in there. It says it's processing, and it never stops processing. And uh, I just, it just kept acting like it was going to. And sometimes this happens, but before I just gave up and started over, I looked around, is there any staff that could assist me? And uh, knew I'd probably have to take the card out and start again. I don't know why it happens. But as I was waiting for a moment, as the card was in, a lady observed my situation, standing behind me, waiting to get in line, an older, elderly lady, a very sweet lady. And she said very nicely, Did you put your card in? My impatient retort, as the card was in at the moment, was, yes, I've done this before. Though she might not be inclined to look up our church name that was on my ball cap at the moment. While walking out, I said to one of my sons with me, Daddy did not respond to that lady well. I am tired and irritable. I need to go to bed. Don't follow this bad example. I need to do better. And I almost went back to apologize if I could have found her, but I was rushing and tired. I've done that before. I would have liked my last words to be, I'm sorry for speaking to you like that. I know you were only trying to help. I am stressed I'm tired, but my response was not appropriate. Please forgive me, and thank you for trying to help me. How often our last words hound our hearts later on. Let us look to Jesus as our example of what our last words can be, who at the crucifixion, in Luke 23, verse 34, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's speaking of those crucifying him at the moment. How many go to their deathbed unwilling to forgive and reconcile? 
How many Christians? Let's follow the example of Christ again at the crucifixion. Luke 23, verse 43. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. To the thief on the cross that had done nothing, could have done nothing. But he turns to Christ and asks for mercy. He's on the cross. Jesus is on the cross because of him, because of all of us. And Jesus turns to one who's responsible for him, dying on the cross next to him and says, Because you've turned to me for mercy, I give you grace and I speak grace seasoned with salt. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Among the last words of Christ before his death, verse 46 of the same chapter in Luke, and when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Of course, quoting and fulfilling the Psalms. Beloved brethren, may our children hear those words from us as our last words, if they have opportunity to be there. Let the words of Christ, the last words of Christ, be our example as he's about to leave at the ascension after his resurrection. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Verse 50. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed including Peter, who had denied him three times. May we look to the very last words of Jesus in his word. Revelation 22, verses 20 to 21. He which testifieth testifieth these things, saith, Surely I come quickly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. That's how he ends all of his words at the end of the Bible. That's how he ends it to you and me, sinners saved by grace, made saints by the Holy One and the Holy Spirit within us. As we would seek to hallow the name of our Father, whether it could be just before you die or whether it could be before someone else dies. Here's how to live each moment of life. Let your every word be as if they are your last words. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Let your every word be as if they are your last words. Let us pray. O Lord, we lift up our hearts to you and confess how far, far short we fall, how far short we come. And we know that our speech is in much need of renovation. We pray indeed you'd give us more to your holy word 
that the uh, grace of the Lord Jesus Christ would dwell in us richly, that we'd have much grace to speak to others. We pray, Lord, we would recognize you call us to do this always to everyone, especially as we would answer others. You say that we are not to curse when we are cursed, but to bless, to pray for our enemies, those who persecute us. And we confess we barely think about that and almost always default to the world's ways. Almighty God, bless us, please. Make our speech always with grace. Make our speech seasoned with salt. Help us to know in each moment by your Holy Spirit working your word within us. Help us know how we ought to answer every man as we would give a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ and the beauty of living in your kingdom. And as we think about what you say at the end of the Bible, we think about what's also between those words. We say together in the spirit, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. We pray in Jesus' name and all your people said, Amen.